Excited Utterance, the Evidence and Proof Podcast, Episode 121, Tomer Kenneth, The Theoretical Foundations of Evidence Law. Welcome to Excited Utterance. I'm your host, Alex Nunn, from the University of Arkansas School of Law. Excited Utterance is your podcast for cutting-edge scholarship and developments in the world of evidence and proof. We bring virtual workshops to you throughout the academic year. Joining me on the podcast today is Tomer Kenneth, a JSD student at NYU Law School and a fellow at the Information Law Institute. And in particular, my conversation with Tomer is going to center around his ambitious new project, which he entitles The Legal Theory of Evidence. Now, the legal theory of evidence is Tomer's normative model, actually, for fact-finding or for truth-seeking in the trial context. You'll hear him today describe how he sees the model as broader than evidence law, at least as traditionally confined, but smaller in specification than epistemology generally. Instead, to just borrow from Tomer's paper directly, he notes that, quote, the essential goal of legal theories of evidence is to practically guide the determination of legitimate legal truths. And so what our discussion will focus on then today is another model for fact-finding and truth-seeking in the courtroom. Of course, listeners will be familiar with the rich literature surrounding this particular topic. Of course, we have Ron Allen and Mike Pardo and their relative plausibility model. We have Kevin Claremont, who we've discussed on the show before, and his employment of fuzzy logic to explain fact-finding at trial. We even have my co-host, if you will, Ed Cheng, who uses likelihood ratios to kind of reconceptualize the burden of proof. In today's episode, you'll hear that Tomer throws his hat into the ring with his legal theories of evidence approach, a new kind of normative model for examining truth-seeking in the courtroom. It's a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed my time speaking with Tomer, and I hope you do as well. Well, Tomer, uh, welcome to Excited Utterance. Thank you very much, Alex. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed reading your paper. I'm excited to discuss it today. And in kind of a central focus of your project is the exposition of what you call kind of the legal theory of evidence. So let's just start by introducing our listeners to that concept. Yeah, thanks. So the legal theory of evidence for me, just a helpful framework uh, to understand and discuss theoretical questions about legal evidence. It proposes to be broader than what is usually referred to as evidence law. And in this sense, it tries to open up space for theoretical exploration that goes beyond specific laws, so the federal rules of evidence, or the English law of evidence, or the Israeli law of evidence. It goes beyond specific rules, say the hearsay rule, and also goes beyond specific methods, like uh, DNA genotyping or stuff like that. So the legal theory of evidence for me is a truth theory, first and foremost, for the legal domain. It is a theory that governs how to determine truth claims in the legal realm, it, and we can think about it as the branch of jurisprudence that guides the determination of legal truths. And let's be clear here for a second. I want to drill down into this. You mentioned that the legal theory of evidence is broader than evidence law per se. Is the legal theory of evidence then just a general epistemological theory seeking what we might call objective truth, or does it have a more focused aim? So this is a really interesting point, I think. So no, the legal theory of evidence is not epistemology, at least in my view. It is a specific truth theory that applies to the legal realm. It was developed within the legal realm with the ideas and the goals of the legal domain in mind, and it differs from general epistemology. 
So we can think about epistemology for a little bit, right? Epistemology, it primarily studies uh, knowledge and knowing the truth. It usually focuses on individuals and their attempts to seek for knowledge of all the truth. And it primarily envisions disagreements between epistemic peers. So these epistemic peers, these agents that are disagreeing within epistemology, we assume that they have similar knowledge and similar access to evidence. They are guided by rationality. And broadly speaking, they try to solve their disagreements by reaching this knowledge or truth. And all of these things don't really apply to law. And for this reason, I think that our understanding of delegate theory with evidence shouldn't be just epistemological. So LTE is trying to resolve specifically legal disputes between legal parties as part of a more general goal of adjudication, which is social ordering. And as such, it is not looking for capital T truth for some high-end epistemic level, right? It is also guided by other things in addition to rationality. So in in finding legal truths, unlike in epistemology, we care about, for instance, fairness and time constraints. The legal theory of evidence envisions disputants as legal parties which aim to win the case and they have different abilities and knowledge. So the, the actors that we have in mind are different in epistemology and the legal theory of evidence. There's one other important difference between epistemology and, and legal theory of evidence, and that is that the notion of finality, right? So in the legal theory of evidence, because we are talking about something that's part of adjudication, we want to set to resolve the case. We want the, to get things done. Therefore, we cannot defer judgment whenever we have no knowledge. This is a crucial distinction between epistemology and the legal theory of evidence, which I think guides a lot of how determination of legal truths actually happen in the legal theory of evidence. Well, let's continue to set terms here because this is all super interesting. And I think at times as I'm listening to your answers, I find myself kind of drifting towards the assumption that the legal theory of evidence, at least in your parlance, is therefore a descriptive theory. But you primarily view it as a normative model. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. So let's take a few steps back and talk about legal truths, and then it's going to help me explain why I think about this whole endeavor as a normative endeavor. So I use the notion of legal truth where uh, most people use the term facts, and I did like air quotes here, so probably people didn't see that. Legal truths for me are factual premises that substantiate or underpin the legal judgments. And determining legal truths involves primarily choosing. Right? So the parties to the dispute basically present to adjudicators all sorts of truth claims, factual stories about what they think happened. And adjudicators, in their turn, must favor one truth claim and use that one as the legal truth that they use to substantiate their decisions. So the legal theory of evidence, as I understand it, is all about this choice. And in this sense, it is extremely normative in essence. So the legal theory of evidence provides guidance about how to structure, evaluate, criticize, and improve the determinations of legal truths. Perfect. So that kind of sets the stage for us or gives us a foundation for the legal theory of evidence. But let's dive into the goals or the purpose of the legal theory of evidence. So here I'm going to quote from your article. Ultimately, you note in the article that, quote, the essential goal of legal theories of evidence is to practically guide the determination of legitimate legal truths. So that's the core claim of the legal theory of evidence. Build that out for us. Yeah. So before I spill this out specifically, I want to distinguish between my understanding of the legal theory of evidence, which we discussed up until now, and the essential goal of the legal theory of evidence. The legal theory of evidence, as I understand it, and as I tried to say before, is basically a framework to understand the phenomenon that we're trying to explore. 
And the essential goal of the legal theory of evidence is something that I'm trying to put forth as what is it that we are trying to do when we are doing or guiding this legal theory of evidence. So as you mentioned, I think that the essential goal of the legal theory of evidence is to practically guide the determination of legitimate legal tools. And each one of these words, basically a longer discussion within my dissertation and my paper, and I'll touch on those really quickly. So we're talking about practically guiding. And the idea here is that LTE or the legal theory of evidence is a practical theory. It takes into account practical considerations and it involves practical reasoning. And we can talk a bit more about that later on if you want. It also guides, so it's a normative theory in the sense that we discussed earlier. It guides determinations. So as I alluded uh, to before, adjudicators are, are fulfilling an active role of choosing, right? They are not some sort of fact finders that si simply go out and find facts that are out there waiting for us. They have an active role of determining which truth claims should be favored and used as the legal truths that will, be, that will substantiate the legal decision that is at play here. Two other things that we have in the definition is the notion of a legal truth. And here we need to underscore, as we talked before, we are not talking about capital T truth, so epistemic accuracy of some sort, right? We are talking about something that is strictly legal, so the legal point of view of what happened. In this sense, the understanding of legal truth echoes writing in legal theory in jurisprudence, uh, something that Scott Shapiro, for instance, talks about when he refers to the perspectival view of legal obligation or how it's internal point of view. It's in this sense that I use the notion of legal truth, so the qualification of truth using the legal understanding. And finally, I think that the uh, determination of legal truth ought to be legitimate. And legitimacy is the main reference point through which I think we need to evaluate the determination of legal truth. And I think that we're going to talk about this a bit more in a second. Well, actually, I want to follow up on that right now, if we can, because I think that this is such an interesting and potentially divisive point. You note that you tie the legal theories of evidence to the determination of legitimate legal truths. And I think that I would be one that would gravitate toward that position as well. But this is a conversation I've had with Ed Chang many times, who primarily sees the purpose of adjudication as and I don't want to speak fully for his position here, but I think it's safe to say that he believes adjudication is in pursuit of accurate or objectively correct outcomes, and that takes predominance in some situations over legitimacy. So why do you tie your model or the legal theories of evidence to the pursuit of legitimate legal truths and have legitimacy as kind of the North Star here? So legitimacy itself is a, a complicated concept, right? And I'm not going to lay it out entirely here, but we can generally uh, understand it as having to do with uh, justification for state action. So I use uh, legitimacy in the same way that it is often used in legal or political theories in order to try to understand it with regards to what state actors do. So put very crudely, legitimate legal truths aimed, uh, are legal truths that give people that those legal truths apply to, the parties to the specific dispute or polity members more broadly, reasons to recognize the decision, meaning the determination of legal truth, as duly authoritative and respect its finality. And the challenge, obviously, is how do you make sure that those people that disagree with the accuracy also find the, the determination of legal truth as justified? And this is the main thing that legitimacy does across the spectrum, as I understand it, in political theory and in legal theory. Now, given the centrality of legitimacy in legal theories and in political theories, it's actually quite striking to me that legitimacy is not a central part of existing evidence scholarship. Courts are state actors, after all, and when they determine legal truths, they apply state power and authority. 
And with regards to similar decisions by courts or other state actors, we always look for legitimacy. We always ask whether this application of state power, whether this application of authority was legitimate. And the question is, why don't we do it in legal talks? And for me, it's just strange that we don't always do that. In fact, I would like to take it one step forward and say and suggest that for me, the main question is not why legal truth should be legitimate, but what would render legal truth legitimate? And my answer, and I elaborated upon it on the paper, so I'll just say in, uh, in a few words, I think that there are two main considerations that would make a legal truth legitimate. One set of considerations are epistemic considerations, just like the position that you felt to add to Ed Chang before. So the epistemic considerations tell us that there is something about the determination of legal truths that generates reasons for us as people that are supposed to accept this determination to accept this legal truth as epistemically accurate, at least in the vast majority of cases. So we're not talking about accuracy in each and every instance, but all consequentialist accuracy. And the second bunch of considerations that would render legal truth legitimate are political considerations. And here I rely mostly on what renders legal or political decisions legitimate for other uh, state actors more generally. So ideas about participation, reasoned decision-making, rule-based decision-making, and the fact that these decisions are being done by adjudicators that duly apply their powers. Now, I want to also return to an aspect of your model that you mentioned earlier. And again, I'm going to repeat the core goal here, that the essential goal of legal theories of evidence is to practically guide the determination of legitimate legal truths. And that word practically, or the notion of practicality, I think is doing some significant work here, right? Because we often have normative models of truth-seeking in the courtroom that potentially have a heft in the abstract. But when you think about the practicalities and the scarce resources that we have, in the courtroom, many of these models aren't going to hold water. So what do you think about how the legal theories of evidence or how your model will hold up given those potential practical obstructions? Yeah, so, I mean, my understanding is that theories have to be helpful in real life. And I think that when we're trying to do something like explain what judges or adjudicators should do, we're doing practical reasoning. We're not doing theoretical reasoning. We're talking about what we should do, not what we should believe. And therefore, our theories also should be practical. And mainstream legal theorists have been talking about it for ages, right? Thayer note that evidence operates in an atmosphere, not in a vacuum. Determinations of legal truth and the legal theory of evidence more generally is and ought to be sensitive to limitations of determining legal truths and to the context in which the determination is made. So regarding the, the limitations of the determining legal truths, just consider a few, right? First of all, we have limited resources for finding and analyzing legal truth. We have limited time, we have limited money, we have limited number of judges and lawyers, we have limited man capacities, and we can go on. Also within the limitations, the determination of legal truth relies on methods that we know that are far from perfect, right? We rely on witnesses that try to tell us what they saw about the event, which is always kind of partial. And we also often rely on methods that are, to say that is subpar, like hair matching and stuff like that. And in addition, we also really care about finality. So we want to finish up the discussion in this case and follow to the next case. We want to resolve the dispute at hand. And all of these things provide some really practical limitations about our ability to find capital T truth or to invest the amount of energy or abilities that we would want to in determining legal truths. In addition to all these practical limitations, legal theory of evidence is also very practical in the sense that 
it cares deeply about what turns on the determination of legal truths, as Fred Schauer explains it. So it's very sensitive to the context in which it operates. So to kind of wrap this up, I guess the main point is that LTE, or the legal theory of evidence, recognizes all of these predicaments, the, the fact that it's practically limited and cares about the context, and it tries to find a way to determine legal truths that would be legitimate, meaning that it would give good reasons for the parties and the society more generally to accept them, given all those limitations. And in that sense, it is practical, I think. So I think that gives us some background or some foundation on this model. And I now want to try to situate the model relative to other truth-seeking models that we potentially have from other authors or other scholars for the purpose of evidence law or the function of truth-seeking in the courtroom. And I think one prominent model that comes to my mind is the relative plausibility model of, of Ron Allen and Michael Pardo. So I'm curious how you would situate the legal theories of evidence relative to either that model or to other models that are also trying to explain or to even normatively suggest a mechanism for the same type of truth-seeking function. Yeah, that's super interesting. So the relative plausibility model, as I understand it, is a super helpful account of how adjudicators and juries decide cases, basically based on generating and comparing explanations. And Ellen and Pardo try to expand this idea to capture what they call the entirety of judicial proof, which I think is, is also a valuable idea. The legal theory of evidence is trying to explain the entirety of the phenomenon of legal evidence, just like Ellen and Pardo tried to do with the uh, relative plausibility. However, not surprisingly, I think that my approach is better. Why do I think that? So focusing on the explanation might be a good way to explain how judges or juries act, how they provide a descriptive explanation. But I'm not sure how useful it is as a normative explanation to what we want evidence theory to do. So for instance, when we think only about explanations, it's not clear how we factor in other things that we might care about in making the determinations of legal truths. So we might want to, we might, for instance, want judges or juries to be mindful of the power balances between the parties. We might want to allow the parties to have equal timing or to make sure that the judges follow some set of rules that were determined in advance. All of these are, to my understanding, not fully discussed or not fully explained in the explanation model provided by Alan and Pardo. But moreover, I think fundamental issue for me is that focusing on comparing explanations is somewhat idiosyncratic in the wider context of judicial decision-making and state action more uh, generally. And I never fully understood why the phenomenon of evidence theory and everything we think about when we talk about evidence and proof should be so lonely and aside. I mean, in that sense, I think that legitimacy is much more appealing. Legitimacy allows us as evidence scholars to connect legal theory with evidence with the ways that similar decisions are made by similar actors. And in that sense, I think that thinking about the legal theory of evidence more broadly and thinking about legitimacy of the legal theory of evidence is much more helpful than trying to explain this whole phenomena only using explanations. Well, this has really been a wonderful conversation, Tomer. I think that this is such an exciting project. And I have one kind of famous last question for you, if you will. What's next for the literature here? What could be an additional paper idea or potentially another project that might shed additional light on this issue? Yeah, thanks. So I think that the idea of thinking about the legal theory of evidence more broadly and trying to understand the role of legitimacy within it can help us tie the legal theory of evidence into areas that it had not been discussed earlier. 
So specifically, I'm trying to understand how we can use the ideas and thoughts that we have, that we have developed within the legal theory of evidence and use them in other realms of life. So Fred Chalmer talked uh, on your podcast a few weeks ago about using these ideas of evidence in everyday life. And I specifically am interested in how to think about those ideas and in the ways that other political actors or state actors make decisions. And I'm currently working on dissertation specifically about that. So I hope there is uh, more to come from there. Well, Tamar, this has been great fun. Thank you so much for coming on Excited Utterance. Thank you so much, Alex. I was happy to be here. Whenever we have discussions about the normatively optimal form of truth-seeking or fact-finding in the courtroom or a comparative look at different models, we must first set terms about what it is we're seeking to achieve. Now, you heard today in my conversation with Tomer that we discussed this very issue, right? Is the purpose of fact-finding, is the purpose of truth-seeking in the courtroom ultimately to achieve as close to an objectively accurate outcome as possible to try to align that outcome with objective reality? Or alternatively, is the ultimate goal of a trial, whether it's in the civil or the criminal context, and of course this could change our answer, but is the ultimate goal to instead arrive at a legitimate outcome, an outcome that will be accepted by all parties as fair and just, regardless if it might have some decoupling from objective accuracy. Now, let me be clear here, though, right off the top of my remarks, that, of course, these two goals, accuracy and legitimacy, they're not going to be mutually exclusive. In fact, the Venn diagram of legitimacy and accuracy, I would imagine, has substantial overlap. A major factor in a result or an outcome of an adjudication being deemed legitimate is a strong belief from all parties that the result is indeed going to be accurate. But I think it would be fallacious to think, and some will disagree with me, or I I will recognize that, but I think it would be fallacious to think that the overarching goal, either descriptively or normatively, of our trial system is solely a raw search for objective truth, a raw search for the most accurate outcomes that we could possibly find. And a survey, I think, of the federal rules of evidence reveals this. For example, the primary purpose of the character evidence rules is to give a defendant a clean slate in every trial so that the determination of guilt or no guilt, liability or no liability in the civil context, that it turns primarily on the evidence presented in the instant case rather than characteristics or propensity traits that a defendant might carry with himself or with herself into the courtroom. But that notion of excluding character evidence, I would submit, is primarily founded in legitimacy and fairness concerns. Concerns centered around how unjust it would be to hold a defendant liable, to hold a defendant guilty based on this just broad character evidence. So too, you could say it is, with the hearsay rule. I think Justin Sevier has done some fantastic work empirically showing that the primary justification for the hearsay rule in the modern era, why it continues to hold popularity among a widespread group of constituents, is not the fact that it helps improve the accuracy of outcomes. Actually, empirical studies show that even lay people are pretty effective in assessing the probative value or the lack thereof that should be afforded to hearsay evidence. 
Instead, the primary motivator in the modern era of the hearsay rule is continuing concerns about fairness and justice. The thought process that it would be unfair to allow this evidence into the courtroom without giving the opposing party an opportunity to cross-examine the declarant in most instances. Even consider the Supreme Court's kind of changing approach to the Confrontation Clause. During the Ohio v. Roberts era, confrontation was largely conceived of as a reliability, accuracy-based tool. And if we thought that an out-of-court statement was sufficiently reliable, according to the Supreme Court's jurisprudence at the time, it was admissible. That, of course, all changed in Crawford v. Washington and Michigan v. Bryant. Why? Because the court kind of reconceptualized the Confrontation Clause not as a provision of the Constitution founded in reliability or accuracy principles, but instead as a provision of the Constitution founded in legitimacy or fairness concerns. The thought process would be that it would be unfair to have a defendant, a criminal defendant, um, face this type of evidence without having an opportunity to confront his or her accuser in court. So to my mind, where do I land on this predicate question about the ultimate purpose of truth-seeking and fact-finding in the courtroom? Well, I agree with Tomer. I agree that it's ultimately, at the end of the day, about legitimacy and about arriving at a procedurally just outcome. And again, I want to emphasize that does not necessarily mean a complete disregard of accuracy, far from it. That incorporates accuracy as the primary driver of legitimacy, but it is not necessarily the end-all be-all. Nonetheless, I am sure that that is something of a controversial take. As I mentioned earlier, others have made really compelling arguments for the contrary view that accuracy and objective truth should be the ultimate end-all be-all of the fact-finding process. It is a rich literature, one that I enjoyed discussing with Tomer today, and one that I hope that you will explore as well. Support for Excited Utterance is generously provided by Vanderbilt Law School's Brandstetter Litigation and Dispute Resolution Program, as well as the University of Arkansas School of Law. The producer of Excited Utterance is Ed Chang, and the production editor is Madeline DiPietro. Music for Excited Utterance is provided by the Vanderbilt University Blair School of Music's Children's Cello Choir, under the direction of Kirsten Castle Greer. I'm your host, Alex Nunn, and I hope you'll join us next time when we tackle another piece in the world of evidence and proof. <laughs>